With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now, to Dave Hooker. Ready. Travis stole it from me. Good morning, ball fans. Good morning, Tennessee fans, and those that like some insight and uh, correct takes on the SEC. Welcome to the program. We've got a big one. Jimmy Homs will join us. A look back on spring practice. Also, the Vols are currently doing the NCAA parade as the hearing on infractions is undergoing, and Tennessee's basketball program looks a lot better than it did earlier this week so welcome to the program we've got a big one lined up we're excited go ahead and give us your thoughts online as we go through the program remind you uh, that you need to turn your notifications on whatever you're listening to whether it be spotify apple doesn't matter we have the free app and you can also be sure and engage with us on the message board or you can go to twitter at uh, are we oth sports media i can't even remember caleb you handle all the hard stuff for twitter Yes, we are OTH Sports Media. Yes. Okay, fantastic. So you can you can uh, be sure and weigh in there as we'll take your thoughts on a myriad of topics. Man, mid-April is supposed to be slow, especially with a baseball team struggling. But Caleb, it ain't. There is a lot going on. So let's dive into it first and foremost. And that is the NCAA hearing today. So we have seen video emerge from uh, the different players that have 
uh, argued their case, and now they'll get to do so in front of an actual person. We're talking about Jeremy Pruitt, his wife. We're talking about Tennessee's chancellor, anybody associated with the program currently. And I was a little bit surprised to see on the video that has come out from the hearing that Philip Fulmer was in attendance. So let me get your big picture thoughts. First of all, good morning, Caleb. How are you, sir? I am doing great. Much better than Jeremy Putin, Philip Fulmer today. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like any fun at all. Um, so let's let's work a little bit on uh, today's tough question. Brought to you by Craven Wings. If you haven't tried Craven Wings yet, you're crazy. It is never frozen, always fresh, phenomenal food, and they've got the Saturday brunch that is through the roof at the Chodo location. It is awesome. So we'll work on today's tough question as we work our way through this hearing. What do you expect to actually come out of this hearing today, Caleb Calhoun? As in, we're, we're April 19th at the time of this recording, uh, 10 a.m. Will we hear something 24 hours this week, this month, infinity? But what do you think, because the NCAA is so unpredictable, what do you think the timeline is now, Caleb, or do we even know? I think we will learn something in June. I've been pretty honest. Oh, that. okay. I think we're going to learn something in June. Oh, I didn't even get the Today's Tough Question soundtrack. Didn't even get the music, Dave. That is my fault. Let's go with Today's Tough Question now, and it's brought to you by uh, Craven Wings. Today's Tough Question, Craven Wings. Don't forget the brunch. Chodo, fantastic food across the board. I love their salads, too. Today's Tough Question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. You say June. Why say you June? It's not a real I, this is based on history. I, I I base a lot of my predictions on history. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. But the last time Tennessee had a hearing like this was in June of 2011, and the results came out in August of 2011. So I gave them two. I gave it a two month window. I'm giving this one a two month window. I think the crux for Tennessee, and I've said this from the start, and I'm sticking with this. I've, I've spoken about this at length. They never should have let Philip Fulmer walk away with the severance package. They should have thrown him to the wolves just like they threw Jeremy Pruitt. And I think the NCAA is rightly going to ask, if you guys were so compliant, if y'all took this as seriously as we did, why did you let someone who is probably as dirt, whose hands are as dirty as Jeremy Pruitt's walk away in a much lighter, in much lighter fashion? You paid him. Okay. We've talked about this before. So I, I had a thought that you might go in that direction. So I'm going to play devil's advocate, but not 100% devil's advocate, because I do disagree with you a little bit. All right, you have Philip Fulmer. Had you cut him, essentially, you would be cutting a legend from the university. And then you probably don't get his cooperation like today when he is actually at the hearing moving forward. So I would argue you would not cut Philip Fulmer. I understand the pragmatics around what you're saying. I do, but I wouldn't cut Philip Fulmer out of this deal because I think it could pragmatically hurt Tennessee. And, you know, he's a legend. He's one of the top two coaches in Tennessee football history. There's a split the baby move here to pull the King Solomon. And that is Philip Fulmer. You can let him walk away without a severance package. You can straight fire him. And then you say, 
if you want to be ever affiliated with this university ever again, you will cooperate with this NCAA investigation. But can you take, honestly, can you take a hard stance? I mean, who has more power? Is it Donde Plowman, who's the chancellor, or is it Philip Fulmer, who has a national title in his pocket? I could honestly argue that it's Philip Fulmer. I think more people would rally around him than they would Plowman, who's done a great job, than they would uh, Danny White, the athletic director. I think more people would rally around Philip Fulmer if you took a hard line against him. I don't think so. Not after what happened in January 2021. And I say that because we all knew and we all accepted, by the way, everybody in Vol Nation accepted Philip Fulmer's coup to make himself athletic director. And let's call it what it was. It was a coup. It was a straight up coup to put him, to install himself as an athletic director. That's fine if you're going to do that and then start overseeing the football search, but you better make the right football hire. He didn't. He didn't just make a terrible hire. He made a hire that got the university in trouble. And the university has every right. I think in January of 2021, everybody, all goodwill to former was lost at that point. It was, thanks for what you did as head coach for 16 years. You won a national championship. We're never going to forget that. But in this instance, we are moving on from you and we are going to give you the Pruitt treatment of the sense of, from an athletic perspective, athletic director perspective, we're not giving you a severance package. You wanted this job. You orchestrated a coup to take the job. You weren't qualified for the job. And this is the result of you having that job. And there's no way to, to around those facts. Well, it's true, but Philip Fulmer would argue that he was doing what is right for the university. And I would argue that at the time, some stability was the correct course of action. I didn't think he would hire the next Nick Saban or the next Josh Heupel. I did think he would hire a coach that could at least get the job done without cheating on just a crazy, insane level. Um, so I would argue at the time that Tennessee fans were on board with him being AD, would you not? No, that's what I'm saying. They were on board with him being AD, but there was a, I'm not knocking the, I'm not even knocking the coup. It was a coup, but I'm not knocking it. What I'm saying is if you're going to do that, then there is a level of expectation that you should meet. And by any metric, Fulmer fell grossly short of that expectation and not just not making the right hire, making a hire that put the university in serious trouble. And let's call it what it is, turning a blind eye to what was happening at the same time, turning a blatant blind eye. I don't believe for a second Fulmer did not, wasn't able to find out about what Jeremy Pruitt was doing. I'm not saying he was directly involved in the cover-up. I'm not saying he was involved in any of the cheating himself, but I'm saying that I think he, at the very least, willfully ignored evidence that showed Jimmy Pruitt was doing that. Yeah, there are three levels, complicit and working with Jeremy Pruitt to cheat. I don't think either one of us believes that's the case. Right. Whereas being aware uh, and, and looking the other way, sounds like you think that's the case. And there's the third of just being completely ignorant by choice. Because you can't sit in that office that's right next door to the football office and not be aware that something is going on as widespread as it's alleged to be. So it's kind of one of three choices. Or you, you actually didn't know anything. But I have trouble believing he knew absolutely zero. Right, right. He knew something. And that's why I say this isn't a cut tie. This isn't a forget everything Fulmer did as a head coach. 
All I'm saying is you could have fired him without the severance package. You could have just made that point, the severance package. That's well, Travis, I think asked, Travis did ask, was a severance deal included in his hiring packet? I, I would assume, yes, when he signed a contract. But you can break those if if there's if you fire a coach or personnel with cause. So the argument would be they fired him with cause because the athletic department got so inept with cheating that it ultimately undermined what he was able to do. But I, I, I still think there are a lot of people, we talk about different factions in the way you look at this. There are people younger than me that would say, burn him at the stake, who cares? There are people my age that still remember about remember what he did when in a championship, I think a lot of those people might disagree with you, Caleb. I'm a little bit older than you, but um, throwing a legend under the bus is tough to do. It is, but no one is saying that he can't take ever take part in university stuff or that his name shouldn't be in some Raptors or that there shouldn't be a street named after him, which there is. It's just in the context of the athletic director, he is not entitled. You have, you should fire him for calls and say he's not entitled to the severance package. He, Drop the ball massively. And then I would say, then I would, the only time I would go hardball is I, is I would say, if he wasn't willing to cooperate with the NCAA after that, then I'm willing to go even hard, more hardcore and say, all right, let's just forget everything you've done then. Because I would be willing to venture that Fulmer worked, Fulmer did work hard at recruiting, but we all know recruiting was Fulmer's big strong suit. That's why Tennessee won a national title. I've said for a while, the more I've studied a little bit of college football history, I think Fulmer's recruiting success was a lot more about the institutional advantages Tennessee had in the 90s than it was about him recruiting. All right, so uh, Big Orange Trucker says he did this as a head coach. I think he means AD. He had to do this to compete. I still love Coach Fulmer. Pay him and revere him. On behalf of uh, both me and Caleb Calhoun, I posted on the message board agreed, even though Caleb doesn't agree at all. I, I just don't want to throw a guy under the bus um, when he was – listen, it's Tennessee's fault they hired him. You and I both know that this is a job now as an athletic director at a major school that's for a CEO type. It's not for a former coach, right? So why doesn't the university carry the blame for hiring him in the first place? Oh, they carry some blame, but let's not forget this. Some of that was on Fulmer because – Fulmer willingly allowed the – I'm not saying – he didn't orchestrate it. He didn't say, if you're loyal to me, you won't donate to the university. But he willingly allowed and stood for the massive split that happened among the boosters and the donor class after he was fired in 2008. Wasn't really going to speak up on behalf of the university and say, maybe you should donate here, maybe you should donate there. And he certainly wasn't going to do that when John Curry was named athletic director. So he he had no problem with the with half the booster class that was loyal to Fulmer working behind the scenes to undercut John Curry when Curry was athletic director. I got no love for John Curry. He was awful. I said he was an awful hire at the time. But Fulmer doing that, that's a big reason he was able to leverage getting that job. Okay. Do me a favor, click that thumbs up button. We want to hear from you. Post on the message board as <laughs> Let's talk some Tennessee basketball. It is four downs right now, and it's brought to you by Andy Mason, realestate.com. Yes, four downs for basketball. We're aware. Four downs. Four questions. 
four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. AndyMasonRealEstate.com, your home for the best real estate service in Knoxville. They service the entire Knoxville area. Best prices and best service in Knoxville. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Go ahead and sign up and don't lose thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on a housing transaction. All right, so four downs. Let's get to it. Let's set the stage. Tennessee's basketball team, to its benefit, will look similar and different this upcoming season. Why, Caleb? Well, it will look similar because Santiago Vescovi is returning for his super senior year, and having him is a way they look similar. It will look different because there should be a little bit better shooting on this team this year. Jordan Ganey, the assistant, the son of assistant coach Justin Ganey, the transfer from USC Upstate who joined Tennessee yesterday, is a 41% career three-point shooter. That's something Tennessee desperately needed is more shooting. So with Santee coming back and Jordan Ganey being added, Rick Barnes has at least another option to spread the floor a little bit. And quite honestly, that could outweigh Olivier Kumwa's departure. Interesting. Four downs, first down. Did Vescovi make the correct decision to return to Tennessee? I think so. I think so, because honestly, I think Vescovi, there were some really red flags last year with Vescovi that I think hurt his NBA draft stock. And you and I have talked about NIL money. He wasn't going to be a, he wasn't even going to be a, he definitely wasn't going to be a first half of a first rounder and he wasn't going to be a first rounder. Yeah. So then you don't have a guaranteed contract and the money's comparable. He absolutely made the correct decision. I appreciate the fact that he got a little bit of pub by posting this on Twitter, but this is barely news. Uh, What is Jordan Gaines worth? Jordan Gaines is Gainey. Gainey, excuse me. Uh, Jordan Gainey, what is what is he worth in terms of wins this upcoming season? Ooh, I mean, if we compare it to last year, I think uh, Jordan Gainey on the team, Tennessee beats Florida Atlantic because that's an, again Florida Atlantic has to spread the floor a little bit more on defense. So I think he's he's worth another round in the NCAA tournament, and he's worth another I don't know three to five ones. I I think, yeah, I think three to five easily. And I think they beat Florida Atlantic. I think if he's half the shooter that we believe he is right now, he's worth three to five. So I'll go three to five wins. That would put you in the realm of a two or three seed. And you would expect them to hit a couple of shots and beat a Florida Atlantic if they were in that position. So what does this tell you about Barnes' future? Third down. What does it tell you about Barnes' future? I think it at least suggests that Barnes is willing to adjust in his older age, which throws me for a loop. Never seen this before where somebody at like 67 decides, how old is he? 67, 66, uh, 67, I believe. Okay. Decides, Hey, I've decided to change my philosophy in basketball and I'm going to go this way. He's going for more shorter shooters. Now he hasn't lost his philosophy on defense. Jordan Ganey was, was a candidate for big South defensive player of the year last year. So he's still keeping his defense, but let's be honest, you're getting Jordan Ganey because you need another outside shooter. And to be fair to him on this, I'm going to be fair to Rick Barnes on this. He thought he was getting that in Tyreek Key last year, but Tyreek Key couldn't buy a bucket in SEC play. And I think that in that shoulder injury from the year before, he never recovered from. Yeah, the thing about Ganey that I, I find interesting, and when we talk about Rick Barnes' future, uh, he's the son of associate head coach Justin Ganey. Um, 
So Jordan Ganey is, is somebody certainly that Tennessee could use, but you're kind of at the point where instead of competing with the top schools for the top players, you're adding players via relationships. And it reminds me a little bit of when uh, Tennessee hired Vincent Yarbrough's head coach. His name suddenly escapes me in high school. Basically he was the travel director. He made sure the hotels were right and all that good stuff. And they took Dell Baker who ended up being a good player, but I didn't think would be at the time. To me, it doesn't tell me a lot other than Rick Barnes is feeling the pressure to get a championship on his resume before it's all said and done. So that's why you take associate head coach, Justin Ganey to get a Jordan Ganey. To me, it kind of reeks of desperation. Maybe he needs a little desperation. Rich Barnes' <laughs> stubbornness to his system has been the, the Rich Barnes' stubborn commitment to his philosophy has is why he hasn't taken that next step. So, I mean, a little bit of desperation is not a bad deal, not a bad idea. Well, maybe it's not. Um, so that was uh, third down. Let's get to fourth down. So I would say that about Barnes's future, it reeks of desperation, and then expectations. Now with Gaines, Visco, excuse me, Gainey, Viscovi coming back, and you would think at some point during the season uh, you would have a healthy Sakai Ziegler. What are expectations for this upcoming season? Fourth down, what do you got? No better than last year. Second round of the NCAA tournament. And Dave, I'll tell you why. And I wrote about this. I encourage, I encourage people. I'm going to do a shameless plug. Go to Off the Hook Sports to read my column about this. It's a good plug. Santiago Viscovi is not a return that's worth celebrating that much. I'm going to say this. And Why, what do you? He, he was arguably Tennessee's best player last year. Santiago Viscovi is Tennessee's best player. He also wilts beneath pressure. He melts down. He doesn't, to quote Skip Bayless, doesn't have the clutch gene. He melts down. So now we saw Santiago Viscovi twice last year in back-to-back games, just needed to hit one or two free throws to clinch the game, and he missed them both times. This time around, he's coming back for a super senior year. Expectations are going to be on him like never before. And I don't think he is mentally tough enough to handle those expectations. So I think Rick Barnes is going to have the offense go through Santi Vescovi. And I think Santi Vescovi is going to be a massive disappointment. And for those of you who disagree with me, look at his numbers this past year. Look at this numbers, his numbers this past year. Santiago Vescovi had a 30-point drop in his three-point shooting this past year as he was utilized more. He dropped, he went from okay. over 40% to 37%. Okay, but it needs to be said that he was split between the one and the two after the injury. Um, free throws came well before Zakai Ziegler got hurt. I was afraid that, you point that out. That's that is not going to, th- there were like three games, maybe four, was Zakai Ziegler hurt that Santi Viscovi played, maybe three to five. I don't think those three to five games are what dropped his three point percentage from forty one percent to thirty seven percent. It didn't help. I don't. You know what? I, I bet I could look at his three point percentage that the, those few games. I bet it might be higher than a season average. He was not reliable from outside. Partially not his fault because part of this was teams were committed to guarding the perimeter, so he really never got open looks because nobody was really trusting Tennessee's interior. I, I, I grant you that. But if he's an NBA player, he should be able to hit threes with a, with a man in his face. I don't think Steph Curry cares when someone's in his face. Portions of the program brought to you by Zul Beer, xulbeer.com, the official craft beer of offthehooksports.com, worldwide award-winning craft beer, and they've got parking in downtown, so you'll love 
Zulbeer, xulbeer.com. We're going to talk to Jimmy Himes, formerly of the Sports Animal, who uh, we look forward to working with in the coming months and years. And who knows? But Jimmy Himes will join us. We will talk about Tennessee's NCAA issues. Also, his column, a look back on spring camp. What did the balls accomplish? What could they have used a little bit more of? All that and more. Stay tuned. Jimmy Himes in two minutes with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This is a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. Want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler. And we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. What's up, everybody? This is University of Tennessee tight end Jacob Warren, proud to announce that I'll be working with Craven Wings again this season. And I want you to give your all and try my signature sauce, Sauce 87 at either of the Craven Wings' two locations, Chapman Highway in Seymour and South North Shore Drive at the Markets of Chodo. When you're Craven Wings, it's got to be Craven Wings. Online at CravenWings.com. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube. Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com. Caleb getting attacked on the message board. Travis says Caleb is just embracing being wrong today. Wow. I'm sorry I'm not a homer. I do not wear do do my eyes look orange to you guys? They don't, but I think you're being a little hard on Vescovi. 
Hashtag facts. A little hard on Vescovi. I'm not being hard. He is he is an adult who now college athletes get paid. So I get to come down as hard on them as I a, a lot harder than on them than I used to. Well, you're doing so. You're doing so. Portions of the program brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive at Bassey Lawn and Garden there in Cleveland. They've got the industrial, commercial, and residential mowers. Whether you're in Knoxville, Nashville, or Chattanooga, go to Cleveland, Tennessee, Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Bassey Lawn and Garden. Go to Bassey.com to learn more. Bassey, dot com to learn more. But they'll certainly take care of you so uh we'll be joined by jimmy himes here momentarily and then tennessee again with a significant uh pickup in basketball that caleb is already predicting tennessee into the final four no but could jordan ganey be more reliable than santiago viscovi next year as a spot-up three-point shooter yes but that's almost embarrassing to say as i thought that would be viscovi's game well, also, Jordan Ganey might be a better defender than Santiago Vescovi. Yeah, you're really not high on Santiago Vescovi. What do you see as his ceiling? I see his ceiling two years ago. No, okay. I see his ceiling if he's mentally tough. Is he, if he's actually, like, if he develops a little bit of mental, mental toughness, I see, I mean, I could definitely see him be a 15 points per game guy, shooting 41, 42% from three, can run the point if needed a solid defender, just a complete prospect who could be a first-round. I could see a Manu Ginobili. I could see a Manu Ginobili. Jimmy Himes joins us now. Yes, go ahead. I just don't think he's mentally tough enough, so that's me. Jimmy Himes joins us now, formerly of the Sports Animal, and now just uh, kicking it with grandkids and love and life. Jimmy, how are you, sir? I think we have Jimmy. Do we have Jimmy here? I don't think we can quite hear Jimmy. Jimmy, you might be muted on that microphone. We'll see if we can get that figured out. If you haven't gone to offthehooksports.com, get Jimmy's thoughts on spring the microphone practice. Microphone and the camera both might be turned off at the bottom. Yeah, I think your Jimmy, I think your camera and maybe your microphone is is off. Um, so we'll go ahead and get that worked out. We can't see Jimmy, and he's a good-looking guy, so we want to be sure and see him. Again, uh, hit that like button. That helps us bring more people on board. We appreciate that. And go to offthehooksports.com for uh, more coverage of the balls as uh, Jimmy set to join us here momentarily. So we'll get his thoughts, too, on Santiago Viscovi and spring camp. And I thought the, the headline that we ran on offthehooksports.com was pretty obvious but significant in that Tennessee has to be patient uh, with Nico at this point. And uh, part of Jimmy's uh, column, look back on spring camp, uh, spring camp was about that. And the simple fact is, Caleb, you you have to be, I don't care how highly rated you are, you have to be patient with a freshman that comes into a program like this. Yeah, and a lot of what you're looking for is potential. And the fact is, we saw Nico Iamaliava has good pocket presence. Nico Iamaliava has a great arm. He made a throw that was just an incredible throw in that spring game. There's just other things he has to work on. So, and, and that's not a knock on him. Lucky for him, there's not a lot you really have to learn in this offense, which is the good news. Um, I think Nico, I think Nico has a great chance to look more like a starter when fall camp hits. 
there there was enough there to know he's going to be good. He, again, he was 8 of 16, so he was 50%. I think people are going to freak out about that. I think what you need to look at with Nico right now is look at what he can do, not what he was struggling to do. And what he can do is exactly what you need a quarterback like Nico to do in Josh Eiple's system. Look, I'm still insanely high on Nico as the future of Tennessee football. Not this year, but in the coming year. So if Travis wants to call me a hater, I'm I'm the one saying that Nico Iamaliava in Josh Heupel's system is the new Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer system. I'm the one saying that. So come at me, bro. I am objective all the way around. Uh, so- I would agree with that. <clears throat> I think um... – Nico Iamaleva, he somebody's giving me a hard time on the message board. We'll just play right there. Iamaleva. Um, I think that his upside is tremendous. I do think he's a perfect fit for Tennessee uh, in Josh Heupel's offense, but you have to be realistic too. They have a really good fit in Joe Milton there, and they have a schedule that could uh, be – be one that lends itself to Milton playing well in the first month or so of the season. And Caleb, if that's the case, why would you make a move to uh, Nico? I don't see the point in that. Yeah, exactly. It's something that, you know, the teammates are going to have their confidence build in Joe Milton. And so there's no reason to have any sort of quarterback controversy at that point. I think Tennessee has been, it's funny. I thought about this recently, Dave, Tennessee has been spoiled in the past with some, for lack of a better term, quarterback controversies because, 1989, they bench Andy, they bench Sterling Hinton and go to Andy Kelly midway through the season, still win the SEC. 1994, we all know what happened, and that created the legend of Peyton Manning. 2004, Brent Schaefer, Eric Gaines, and Rick Clawson, but they won the East. But most of the time, guys, if you don't have your quarterback in September, you don't have your quarterback in November. That's how it usually works in football. Is If you didn't find him in September, you're not going to have him in November. No, I would I would tend to agree with that. Let's see if we can bring Jimmy in here. We had a little bit of an issue there, but I think we got Jimmy Himes now. Jimmy, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, me and technology. It happens. It happens. But so much for retirement here. I'm already calling you. I'm surprised you're not like, Dave, leave me alone. <laughs> well, uh, I had an opening. So there you go. no golf, no tennis today. You look good. You look like 10 years younger already, and you've just been retired for like 10 days. That's the goal. <laughs> okay, if you figure that out, tell me, because I want to go the other direction. Uh, we are just talking about Nico and, and, and being patient. It's one thing to say you need to be patient for a freshman. It's another thing for a fan base to actually do it. How challenging will that be? Yeah, it, it, it's going to be challenging. Is But if Joe Milton plays well, if he plays like he did against Clemson, it's not going to be an issue. Uh, he was really good in that game. I think he was 19 of 28. 251 yards, three touchdowns. He did not make bad decisions. He did mention afterward that he had a couple of reads that he missed where they should have scored more points. They had more three and outs that they wanted. But as long as Milton plays well, there's not going to be any controversy. There's not going to be any yelling for Nico to come into the game. That won't happen as long as Milton plays well and Tennessee's winning. Now, if he struggles, if he overthrows seven passes in a game, if he completes 40% in the game, you're going to hear it. But, again, as long as Milton plays well, there's not going to be any gnashing of teeth from the fan base screaming for Nico Amaleva. I'm excited to see what Josh Heupel's offense can do with a guy like Milton. I go back to that Clemson game, and I thought there were a lot more passes over the middle, and that maybe takes advantage of what he does. This offense is still going to be tempo, but, Jimmy, how, how different could it look with Milton instead of Hooker? 
I think you may see more shots downfield, although Hooker did throw downfield quite a bit, but I think you may see a few more because uh, you got Melton with such a cannon for an arm. Here's the thing he's got to do a better job of. He's got to do a better job of hitting the shorter routes. You can't throw those 120 miles an hour. He's They're trying to learn touch. He's been working on that for a couple of years. It's something that was not an issue with Hendon Hooker. He was very accurate on those throws. But you can't throw bullets to where nobody can catch it, including your own players. So that's one of the things he's working on. And also seeing the field, I rarely thought Hooker missed an open receiver. Uh, that's going to be a challenge for Milton. Make sure you find the open guy. A lot of that has to do with pre-snap reads. Uh, and, and we'll see how good he is at that. But I, I think having two years in this system, I think he's going to be a much better looking quarterback than the one that took over at the start of the 2021 season. Jimmy, just playing out a hypothetical in our minds, because Dave was talking about the favorable schedule to start the year. I look at it. We know about Virginia's issues and I'm super low on Florida. I think they're a disaster of a program at this moment. So I think there's no reason Tennessee shouldn't start all four and oh, what happens if Joe Milton and Tennessee start off 4-0, but he's having, say, the type of stat lines that T. Martin had his first four or five games at Tennessee in 1998, which was a much tougher schedule with T. Martin. They had to play Syracuse, Florida, and Georgia. What happens if Joe Milton is 4-0, but he's completing just barely over 50% of his passes, not a great, not a lot of touchdowns? Do you think, you think there's still going to be calls to bench him at that point? There could be. I heard your analogy earlier to Sterling Hinton to Andy Kelly. That was a team that started undefeated and lost to Alabama, and it was after the Alabama game they made that switch. That's back in 1989. That could well replay itself if that occurs. Now, here's the other part of that. Iamaleva has to show them in practice he's ready. If he's completing 40% in practice, you don't make that move. But if he's playing at a high level in practice – you could make that move if Milton's struggling in spite of Tennessee winning. So that that would be the parameters I would put on that. I don't sense also that Josh Heupel is afraid to make a move like that. I think there have been times where Tennessee's been kind of conservative in those decisions. I don't think Josh Heupel is that type of coach, Jim. I don't know if he is or not. And one reason I question that, and maybe this isn't a good comparison, but he has to be up 45 nothing before he starts seven people. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Yes. I mean, he, he, he won't go. I thought at times he should have played more backups to get them ready. But unless he's got a 45-point lead in the fourth quarter, he sticks with his starters. Now, having said that, what you suggest may be true. It may be that he sees somebody and, and they're not playing at the level they want, so he makes the move. I mean, the reason Joe Milton came out of the lineup in 2021 was he got hurt. In fact, it was interesting, uh, the, the, the start of the next year, a reporter asked Milton about, you know, you got beat out by Hooker. What was that like? He said, I didn't get beat out. I got hurt. So he wasn't relinquishing that. I think his pride wouldn't let him. Uh, would would um, uh, we see uh, Tennessee's head coach Heupel make a change like that? He might. Uh, I'm not sure where he is with that. But, again, I think a lot of that would play into how good is Nico looking practice? Is he performing at a very high level? And if he is – and Milton's struggling, I could see them making that change. What do you make of, we hear a lot of criticism of Joe Milton's arm and the lack of accuracy. And then there's the issue where he ran out of bounds against Ole Miss with no time on the clock. Mm -hmm. But take out that out of bounds run. 
I don't know if you have. I haven't seen too many decision-making problems with Milton since he's been at Tennessee. It seems like he usually makes the right throw, even if he's not accurate on it. I mean, he's still, I don't think he's thrown an interception yet since he's been at Tennessee. He has not. He's got 12 touchdown passes and no interceptions. But here, here's the thing. I thought he made a number of bad decisions, not just running out of bounds against Ole Miss, but I thought he made a number of bad decisions and bad overthrows when he was a starter. Uh, there were times when I thought he should have taken off. Look, the guy is fast. He can run. He's a reluctant runner. Hooker was more of a, hey, I, I don't mind scrambling and taking off. Now, to your point, uh, if my stats are correct, Milton was about a 52% passer in 2021. Last year, and I know a lot of it was a mop-up role, he was around 64%. I thought his decision-making on his passing was better. I thought he was more accurate. I thought he saw the field better. I thought he made better decisions. Now, I think a couple of times Tennessee has called design runs for him. I've seen him take off in practice, and this guy is fast. He's, he's faster than Hooker. Yeah. He just doesn't like to run. And, and I, I told somebody this the other day. Now, I may be totally wrong about this, but if Anthony Richardson is picked in the top five of the NFL draft, then I think Joe Milton could be next year. Because how, how good did Richardson play? Milton has everything Richardson has except the willingness to run. But he's about as fast as Richardson. He's going to time a really fast 40. He's got a great arm. Uh, he's got uh, the physique that you want. He's 6'5", he's 244. So I, I think he's exactly what the NFL is looking for, with the exception that he has not proven it consistently on the field. Yeah, that's interesting you say that, because somebody in Tennessee's camp told me, that he looks at Anthony Richardson as what he could be in a year. <laughs> exactly. Wow. And yeah. that's, and that's the motivation for him. Um, if there were any laps, which I, I don't necessarily think there would be, but uh, let's switch gears for just a second. And currently Tennessee is parading everyone out in front of the NCAA infractions committee. And this is the hearing on uh, Jeremy Pruitt, other than not hiring Jeremy Pruitt, how could Tennessee have avoided this, and not been in this position that seems to drag on forever. Well, that was a big uh, qualifier there. (laughs) (laughs) Other than not doing something stupid, what could they have done smarter? (laughs) uh, It's it's very difficult to predict what the NCAA is going to do. Here's what I think is the issue right now. So they, they're what 18 level one violations. All of them are, against Pruitt and the staff except for one, Tennessee's failure to monitor. So you're sitting there thinking, how can you have 200 infractions and you'd be so blinded by, by not knowing what's going on? Was, was Pruitt and his wife and his babysitter and these assistants that good at hiding what they were doing, putting money in Chick-fil-A bags, and you didn't have a clue? So I can understand the NCAA's position with that magnitude of what's going on. But here's what I think is what's happening right now. I think the NCAA is good. Now, Tennessee has self-imposed 12 scholarships the first year. They self-imposed either three or four in year two, which was last year. I think the NCAA has said, we want to impose additional scholarships. Now, don't hold me to this number, but maybe as many as 10 a year for the next four years. That's 40 scholarships. And maybe Tennessee's saying, no, we'll accept three a year for the next four years, and that's 12. We're not going to accept 40 scholarships over the next four years. I think that's where they're having, that's where they're haggling. It's over the punishment. I do not see a bowl ban. I think the NCAA is done with bowl bans or postseason bans. So 
I think it's going to be the degree of the penalty that uh, the NCAA has suggested and what Tennessee is willing to accept. Now, on the other hand, with Jeremy Pruitt, uh, he made a comment to someone that I know that said, if, if I get fired uh, and, and Tennessee takes me down, I'm taking down Philip Fulmer. Well, Fulmer hadn't been mentioned in any of this stuff. <laughs> My knowledge. Have y'all seen it anywhere? So well, I, I, other, than, other than Caleb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I didn't. Okay, you know what? I'll stay. I'll stop. Jay, all I've been saying is there's no way Fulmer completely could not have known. Like, he, he, there had to be some willful ignorance if he didn't know anything. Well, that, a lot of people feel that way. But yet he's not been mentioned, which is baffling to me. Uh, and look, let, let's face it. Fulmer was not an athletic director that was an absentee. He was on the field coaching the offensive line from time to time, right? So right. he was very much involved with it. Caleb, there are a lot of people that agree with you. Now, I, I don't know for sure. You would think, how could your athletic director not know this? Okay, I, but his name hasn't come up yet. Will it come up during this committee on infractions? I don't know. If what somebody told me about what Pruitt said, is he going to say, hey, Fulmer knew about this and that and the other? And then if they and if that's true, then not only do you have failure to monitor, you got lack of institutional control if your athletic director knew and did nothing about it. But that hadn't been one of the charges. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out and really interesting to see what penalties, additional penalties, Tennessee might be willing to accept. I have heard some people throwing out the notion that if Tennessee does not like the punishment, they should shoot, sue the NCAA. Yeah. That, in my opinion, is ridiculous. Because then you're going to have people under oath uh, in a, on a witness box and they're going to have to spill the beans on all of what happened. You don't ever want – I don't want – I don't cheat on my taxes, but I don't want the IRS sneaking around trying to look at my tax return. So you don't want the NCAA – you don't want a court hearing with the NCAA, I'm telling you. So I think that would be an awful idea for Tennessee to go in that direction. Especially when you're suddenly under oath and – you could go. I mean, that's that's the one power the NCAA doesn't have, and you would right. give that to them. Exactly. And you can lie to the NCAA, and it's not perjury. What are they going to do? <laughs> they don't know if you're lying. So I, I, I think that's a, a ludicrous idea. It's been floated out there. I am not in that camp. Jim, do you realize how goofy – what you said is absolutely correct, but how goofy this is where you've got the university almost haggling with the NCAA over their punishment. That's like if you get pulled over for speeding, say, how much is that ticket? He says, oh, it's 150 I'll give you 75 <laughs> I mean, that's – do you realize how goofy that, that does sound? It makes me wonder about the future of the NCAA. Well, you got to have a governing body, right? Somebody's got to lead this deal. <laughs> and so I, I – and, and you can argue the leadership – uh, but I do think you have to have somebody that oversees it. And there's been the the conversation that there should be um, a commissioner for college football. And I wouldn't argue that. Uh, I think there needs to be some oversight. The problem that you get into is you're not only overseeing 130 some odd Division One teams, but you also got Division Two, you got Division Three, you got programs that have scholarships, you got programs that don't have scholarships, you got programs with a $200 million budget, you got programs with a $5 million budget. It's kind of hard to oversee all of that when there's such discrepancy. So is there going to be a breaking away of the bigger conferences, bigger teams? Maybe. But you have to have some type of a governing body. And I think the NCAA has done a poor job in its leadership role over the last eh, few decades. 
Jimmy, I, I want to get to the Philip Fulmer point uh, again, because Dave and I have actually one of the big parts of the debate is that we've had, and I want to know your thoughts. If Philip Fulmer, if it is turned out that his hands are dirty, which you're right, we may or may not find out. Jimmy Pruitt could reveal some stuff in the investigation. Does it then become a real big sticking point that the that the university let him retire with the severance package rather than fire him for calls the way they did Jeremy Pruitt? There will be a, there will be a huge backlash from that if that is the case. There will be a lot of people that will get upset. I, I will say this. Um, I do think that uh, Fulmer suffered a little bit with his reputation based on the hiring of Pruitt and what all happened under his watch. Uh, and there were a lot of people that, that turned on him when he got this severance package uh, that they paid him. Uh, they, they viewed that as just taking a lot of money from the university. So he, he, he got a hit for that. I heard some people saying they felt he was pretty greedy in doing that. So if it's found that his hands were on, that he was had knowledge of this, yeah, I think there would be a number of other people that would stain his legacy if that occurred, stain his legacy at the University of Tennessee. You've gotten a little sideways, Jim, but you're again, the column is on offthehooksports.com. What were some of your thoughts on spring camp other than the, the quarterback position? Uh, I'll have to combine this a little bit because there were – at least 18 players that didn't play in the spring game, right? Yes. So we got to watch a number of practices beforehand. There was even one period that was open. We had 10 periods one day. This defense is more athletic and it's faster and it's bigger than it's been. I, I think the defense has a chance to to be better than it was. And I, I think the defense actually played better than some people gave them credit for last year. But I think they can be better. They've got some outstanding young players. Uh, they've got some guys that can run. They've got some guys that can rush the passer. So I, I, just athletically, speed-wise on defense, I think they're going to be better. Uh, Receiver-wise, I think they're going to be fine. Ramel Keaton is a guy that you keep trying to recruit somebody to beat him out, and they can't seem to do it. And I think Keaton is a solid player. Uh, Dante Thornton, the transfer from Oregon, I think is going to be a really good player. I like Squirrel White a lot. He's about 160 pounds maybe, and uh, he's, he gets open. You can't press – you can't bump and run him because he's too quick. He, and then if you throw a five-yard pass, he can take it 50. But he can also beat you deep. I like him a lot as a receiver. I think Brew McCoy is a, a really good football player, a big target. So I like the receiving core. Uh, they don't need a lot of depth because they don't play a lot, but they still need at least five guys they can play with. The big concern to me is going to be on the offensive line losing Darnell Wright. I'll say this. The first couple of years he was there, in my opinion, as a five-star, I would have called him a bust. The last year and a half, he didn't give up a sack. And he really played well. He's going to be hard to replace. And I think Jerome Carvin was an underrated part of that offensive line unit. I think he's a good football player. I don't know if they're going to be able to replace him either. But I'll say this. And I, I contended this uh, when Hypo got there. When you run this hurry-up, fast-paced offense, I think it can mitigate an average offensive line. I think it can overcome it. Uh, the defense gets tired. Uh, you're running plays so fast, they get worn out. You set things up. You can be an average offensive line and be productive up, uh, be productive because of the scheme that they run. So I I'll be curious to see. But I, uh, there were a couple of players that stood out to me. Arian Carter on defense is really good. Caleb Herring on defense, a freshman, is really good. They're going to really like this linebacker they brought in, Keenan Pilly from Brigham Young. He's a good football player. 
So I think they have added some good pieces to this team based on what I saw in the spring. Jimmy, great stuff. I certainly appreciate it. For You're still going to be very active, even though you're not hosting Sports Talk Daily. So if people want to follow your work, how can they do that? Uh, well, on uh, your website. Uh, <laughs> and and oh, I'll yeah, right when I asked that question, I realized I just asked for a self-promotion. I was like, oh. My. <laughs> That's the only thing I've written since I've retired. So, <laughs> But also, he's, he's um, on the Twitter as well. Yeah, I can go on, and on Twitter, and I'll follow some stuff out there. At Jimmy Himes, it's pretty simple. Uh, I am. I'm gonna. I've been, it's been suggested to me to jump in there and and do a whole bunch of stuff. I don't. I don't want to do that right now. I I may jump back into circulation more so in August or so in football, but um, <clears throat> I need some time away, and so I'll do a little bit, not a lot. I may fire out a column here or there, but it won't be a lot until I get uh, geared up uh, in the summer when closer to football season. Enjoy the fam because I, I yes. know what it's like when you don't get off the air till seven, you miss a lot. So, yeah, you're exactly right. Yep. Yeah. So, and I got a grandkid, I got to look after him too. So, that's going hey. to be the best golfer in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the next Tiger's last name is Himes. Yeah. Or is that, no, that wouldn't be the last name. But anyway, the next, <laughs> the next Tiger is a direct descendant of Jimmy Himes. By the way, my golf game has gotten better since I've been uh, since I retired. I would bet. Unlike Jerry Green, you never snuck off and played golf while you were supposed to be working. <laughs> I didn't have a brown bag with me either. No, or your golf bag at practice, <laughs> in which you left halfway through, and Chris Lowe and I both saw you. But anyway. Oh. Oh, we got a game tonight? Oh. Oh, yeah. What time? And there actually was a time that he forgot the tip. Yeah. Set up. Yeah. You know, to be fair, I've heard these rumors, but I also heard a rumor that didn't Spurrier used to say, like, hey, hurry up, let's finish practice because I got I got tea time soon. Didn't he do that coaching Washington one time? I've, I've heard that, but he also won games. Jimmy, have a, um, a blessed day. We look forward to working with you in any capacity and uh, certainly appreciate you. Appreciate you. It's a great column. Uh, you can go to offthooksports.com and check it out. They appreciate you having me, Caleb. Appreciate it. You guys have a great day. Thanks, Jimmy. Jimmy Himes. Jimmy. The sports animal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember calling Jimmy one time and saying, should I say anything about that he walked out with his golf bag? Um, it was early in, in camp, so it's when you're just working with threes. But – uh, yeah, I told you the story that Jerry Green actually walked out with a golf bag before during practice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you told me that. Um, yeah. It's uh, Guys, I've had enough of this. But I mean, it, that but that's why I said it's like, OK, if you're smart, if you're a, if you're someone who's smart and you're a work smarter, not harder guy, Steve Spurrier can get away with it. Because like you've told me in the past, Steve Spurrier knew he was going to outsmart you on game day. So it didn't really matter if he. Yes, <laughs> practiced yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. So what about. Uh, big orange trucker saying I would be shocked if he wasn't directing the payments talking about, are you talking about Fulmer? No problem with the severance package, zero problems, build a statue and erect it today. Well, now if he's Philip Fulmer's directing payments, be sure and click that like thumbs up button so we can bring more people in and have your notifications on always. If he's directing payments, then no way. I mean, you erect a statue. If, if there's any reasonable 
evidence that can be presented that Philip Fulmer knew nothing about this whole mess, then I will go back to my statue take. And I think Tennessee should have a statue of Philip Fulmer. The fact that he showed up to the hearings, where are the hearings again? And Caleb, are they in Indianapolis? I believe the fact that he showed up to those makes me think that he and Tennessee think he's in the clear. Well, okay. I don't, again, this is, I don't, I'm not against a statue either. Any more than I'm, I'm not against the statue of the Reds having a statue of Pete Rose, which they do because it's of him playing. But that doesn't mean they can ever bring him back as a manager, nor should they. And he should have been forced out of baseball in disgrace because of what he did as a, as a manager at the well, time. Let me ask you what I said earlier. The fact that he's there, uh, he's at this hearing, the fact that Tennessee wants him there, is that not a sign that they think they're pretty in the clear with Fulmer? It's or is it possible that Fulmer knows Jeremy Pruitt is ready to bring him down and Fulmer has to be there to clear himself? Mm, that was good insight and in what Jimmy had to say right then, because uh, if Jeremy Pruitt and I can I can tell you that Jeremy Pruitt reached out to us at one point and wanted this his side of of the whole situation told and we may do that at some point, but I don't at this point think it's newsworthy because we don't know exactly what's happened. Um, it, it might be newsworthy after what happens in this upcoming hearing. So uh, coming up on the program uh, next, as a matter of fact, we love talking to Jimmy Himes, Tennessee's deepest draft class since 2002. That's a strong statement. And which college football coach could be the next Nick Saban or Kirby Smart. Caleb's got a good one that might surprise you. Stay tuned more after this. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Give me a couple minutes. I'll be right back with you uh, off the hook sports. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Craven Wings has the cleanest, healthiest wings in town. We pride ourselves on our slogan, always fresh, never frozen. Come try us and discover the difference yourself. New location now open at the Markets at Chodo. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. 
At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Comment on the message board from D. If someone was in Coach Heupel's ear supplying smart A jokes, smart Alec, I think he means. Uh, he could be the no, next another word. Another word that starts. Is there with another word? Uh, what could that be? Action. Smart. Um, a- yeah, there you go. Um, no, I agree. I think the com- comparisons between Steve Spurrier and Josh Heupel are very apt. Maybe a segment in the future. Who, if you have one game for your life and you need someone to game plan, would you rather have Heupel or Spurrier? This is going to sound crazy, but I don't think Steve Spurrier would, would be in my top ten. You don't what was he not much of a game planner? Was he just a great play caller in the game? <laughs> um, I don't think he was I don't think he adjusted. I don't I disagree about people say that he definitely adjusted at South Carolina. Oh no, 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 no. If you want to take South Carolina, yeah, he got he got more with less there. So I'm sorry, I'll give you South Carolina. I think at Florida, the plan was to go in, score a lot of points, and then run the football in short in the second half. And I don't think there were a lot of adjustments. If the passing game wasn't going well, I would go back to that 2001 Tennessee game. If the passing game wasn't going well, Florida was just up the creek. I mean, it did, it, they didn't have an answer for that. And you watched that game as well. Tennessee's playing that prowler package, and they got guys standing up. Run the football. For goodness sake, if you run the football, you win that game fairly easily. Well, I want to be fair to Spurrier, though, in that. Let's not forget that 2001 game. Ernest Graham was hurt because of a dirty hit by Florida State the week before. Twisted his ankle. Yeah, I remember that. And Tennessee had the by far the best rush defense, maybe in the history of college football that year. And so it's you have your you don't have your starting running back, and you got to run against John Henderson and Albert Hainsworth in the middle. It, it, okay. okay, I agree with you the lead up, but that that again speaks to my point of I don't think Spurrier adjusted a lot. So when you realize that they're not taking advantage of that great run defense and they're playing guys standing up and they're hitting gaps and they're running this prowler package, why don't you adjust during the game? That would be my argument. Why don't you adjust at halftime and say, boys, we're going to line it up and run the football. That's that true. Game, I mean, that game was there for the having. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. I, I could see Spurrier some criticism of an in-game adjustment issue i think that there are some adjustments i've seen him make in the past i think the biggest adjustment you ever saw spurrier make was remember when florida lost to florida state in the regular season 20 to 17 it was like down 20 to 3 it was the year they won the national title and then they beat florida state 52 to 20 in the national title and the big thing with that was spurrier knew that florida state was doing kind of similar to what tennessee did in 2001 which was just all out blitzes non-stop so spurrier just put warfel and shotgun the next the next game and that changed everything well, and, and Spurrier didn't adjust in the NFL either. Got Patrick Ramsey killed by running five wide and forever altered his career, if not ruined it. Um, so not to get too sidetracked, there are things we want to get to as far as uh, who is the next Nick Saban or Steve Spurrier for that matter. But along those lines, I mean, who would you have as a game manager that you have seen with your own eyeballs in Caleb's early 30s? Game um, planner? Yeah. What did I say? I'm sorry. Game manager. That's game- <laughs> Well, no, in specific, uh, game manager. 
Yeah, no, I want to talk game manager for a second. So in-game adjustments. Oh, the best in-game adjustments. Yeah, who would you, to me, that's a manager. Maybe we're, you know, uh, using different terms. I, I mean, Steve Spurrier just doesn't wow me in that. I will say, I don't know if it was him or Jimbo Fisher, but the in-game adjustment that Nick Saban made in that 01 SEC title game when Matt Malt came in, who's a totally different quarterback from Rohan Davey. Yes. I mean, that's one of the greatest adjustments I think I've ever seen in the middle of a game. And I don't even consider Nick Saban. The problem is I don't consider Nick Saban the best game planner from an X's and O's perspective. Like, I've heard, I've heard you interview John Adams in the past, and John Adams even talked about how a guy like Dan Mullen is a guy you're scared about because he can, he's a great game planner. Not a good recruiter, but good Lord, can he put together a game plan. And I think you bring up a really good point in that 2001 Saban game um, because that's not a game that they should have won because of the injuries at quarterback and running back. So I give him a lot of credit for managing that. The other thing about Nick Saban, there were times before Lane Kiffin when he ran straight-up power football that he would paint himself in a corner at times in the second half and a 14-, 17-point lead could turn into an 8-, 9-, 10-point lead. And I thought he was too conservative. Here's the thing, though, when we talk about game managers. He's able to battle himself out at any point because he has the better Jimmys and Joes, right? Absolutely. He, I mean, that's that's all. As a matter of fact, I would argue those three national titles in four years, there was an argument he held Alabama back because you remember this. Jim McElwain was the offensive coordinator of Alabama those years, and Jim McElwain is a horrible offensive coordinator. He is terrible. Very, very base. Very base. And it, yeah. But I think Nick Saban's philosophy was he knew how loaded his defenses were. And his whole thing was, I know my defense is going to win the game. I could win the game 45 to nothing, but why risk it? But but it did like that LSU game in 2011, not the national title game, the rematch, but the regular season nine to six game that we thought had eliminated Alabama. That was poor coaching on Saban's part that game yeah and and at the end of the day it's mostly the jimmies and joes right i mean there can be play calls at the end of the game um that that can adjust things but i'll tell you what i I would give a lot of credit to nick saban also for making the change at quarterback uh which he did in the championship game you have to give him credit for that uh kirby smart the adjustments that he's made now this isn't purely in game but i've I think he's done some things with Stetson Bennett that were very impressive. Uh, yeah, as far as a pure football coach, in my lifetime, I've got Spurrier third in the SEC. So what we're saying, and this is the crazy thing. I know. I feel like we're about to say something stupid. But... No, it, 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 it's not. It's We think that when you think of an X's and O's coach traditionally, you think of an offensive guy. You know what I mean? Josh Heupel, Steve Spurrier. When we just talked about X's and O's in-game adjustments, we just named two defensive guys at the top of the list, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. It's very true. As you and I know, that was John Chavis's biggest weakness. John Chavis actually was a great game planner. I, I think nobody, very few coaches put together a better game plan than John Chavis. But if you mixed it up on him at all in the game, he was a deer in headlights at that point. Yeah. No, uh, I agree with that. So let's go ahead and get to uh, Tennessee and Uh, It's draft class coming up uh, this next week. Deepest draft class since 2002. And it actually, guess who said that? It was Caleb Calhoun. 
What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Deepest draft class since 2002. You said that. Defended Caleb Calhoun as what the H brought to you by our friends at City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. Over 50 years of integrity right there. You'll get the correct assessment of your unit. And that's City Heating and Air Conditioning. Again, cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters. Deepest draft class since 2002. Defend yourself, Caleb Calhoun. What are you talking about? Okay, so we first know that there will be six players drafted in this in this class. Right? Six players. At yes. a minimum. At a minimum. And those six players are Hendon Hooker, Darnell Wright. Um, I can't – sorry, I'm losing my mind. Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, Jeremy Banks, and Byron Young. Those six players are going to be drafted somewhere, right? Correct. Okay. There are only – Three other times since 2003 that Tennessee has had that many players drafted. That would be 2010, the year after Lane Kiffin, when you had Montario Hardesty, Dan Williams, Jonathan Crompton, Chris Scott, Jacques McClendon. There was 2007 when you had Justin Harrell, Robert Meacham, Aaron Sears, Turk McBride, Jonathan Wade, Marvin Mitchell. And there was 2003. Now, 2003 was... They had eight players drafted, which was Kelly Washington, Jason Witten, Julian Battle, Abrea Franklin, Keon Whiteside, Rashad Moore, Dimitri Veal. They had eight players drafted, but that was a bust of a draft class. I mean, who outside of Jason Witten became anything in the NFL? Uh, Julian Battle was good. He wasn't great. Oh, he would. I'd have him on the Kelly Washington tier in terms of. I agree. So. Got so, his pension, the second tier pension. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They got years. a pension from the league. Yes. Yeah, that's your pension. That's that's uh, that's a that's big a thing. big win. Yeah. So this class, I think it's uh it's six deep, but I think it's potentially eight deep because I'm not counting out Trey Flowers potentially getting drafted at, at this point. I'm also not counting out Paxton Brooks, the punter, being drafted. You don't invite a punter to a combine unless you're considering drafting a punter. And so there's a possibility that Tennessee will tie 2003 for the most number of draft picks, which would be eight. And I think that the players in this class would be better than that 2003 class. Cause we know there's a first rounder and a surefire future pro bowler in Darnell Wright. We also believe we're pretty convinced that Byron Young will be a reliable NFL starter. And Cedric Tillman or Jalen Hyatt will be a reliable receiver. So there's at least three players in this draft that will be a success and at least one pro bowler the, starting off. I know that you you would say Darnell Wright probably first. I'm not sure that Byron Young is is the hidden gem among this Tennessee class. I'm not, I'm not. I think he could go late second, third round, and end up being a real impact player in the league. So Darnell Wright, I believe, is more of a known commodity. He, at the very worst, is going to be what an eight year starter. Yeah, that's the worst. Barring injury, he's going to be an eight year starter. Byron Young, a decade from now, as we're having this conversation, I think could have as many. Pro Bowl, all pro selections as Darnell Wright could. And at that point, we're talking two elite players from this draft, whereas 2003, again, as I said, had one. Now, 2002, that, that's probably Tennessee's best draft class ever. They had John Henderson, Dante Stallworth, Albert Hainsworth, Fred Weary, Will Overstreet, Travis Stevens, Andre Lott, Reggie Coleman, Teddy Gaines, Dominic Stevenson. <laughs> it was a, an insanely deep draft class that year. 
We uh, What the H brought to you by Craft Treats. Go to crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook. Again, off the hook, get 20% off any of their treats. But in particular, you can go with the chill pills that have the CBD in them. Takes care of your pet's digestive issues. Takes care of uh, our potential arthritis issues. Also, just anxiety as pets can suffer from that in social situations, car ride. They've got it all right there. Look for the chill pills or any of their other various treats you will love it go to crafttreats.com and use the promo code off the hook get 20 percent off that's off the hook that is your promo code to get a 20 off so we discussed this a little bit uh, as far as the next great uh, college football coach is it nick saban um kirby smart and then boom because that appears to be the way things are folding out nick saban is going to be the greatest coach uh, a slightly older generation than it's Kirby Smart appears to be the next great coach of the next generation. I don't think he will get tired of the SEC and go to the NFL as some sort of bucket list checkoff as uh, Nick Saban did. I think you learn from Saban. I think the jobs are viewed as much different now. So if I ask you which college football coach could be the next Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, who would you take? I got two options, but I think there's a clear-cut leader in this, and okay. it's Brian Kelly. And I've been high on Brian Kelly from the start. I'm not just saying this because I said 15 years ago Tennessee should have hired Brian Kelly when they could have hired when they hired Lane Kiffin. I've been a huge Brian Kelly fan ever since that period. Brian Kelly made Butch Jones a success because Butch Jones just inherited what Brian Kelly built at two different stops. He is the best. We just talked about in-game strategy and in-game planning. I don't know how we forgot about Brian Kelly, by the way. He's a great X's and O's coach. He's the best X's and O's offensive coach LSU's ever had. I'm sorry I harp on this. LSU is the best job in America. It's the easiest job in America by far. It's just, it is the fourth best. Louisiana is the fourth best state in the country in terms of high school football talent that's in the NFL right now. And LSU is the only school that gets those players. There is no competition. Every other school you could think of that is in an elite football state has tons of competition, save for maybe Georgia. But even with Georgia, you got Alabama and Florida State and other schools coming in, Clemson coming in, and Tennessee coming in to take talent. Nobody's coming into LSU. I think the next Nick Saban or Kirby Smart's in the sentence. I think it's Kirby Smart. Because I think he's going to do it for a couple of decades, given his age. And I think he's going to push five national titles barring some sort of burnout factor, which always could happen. But I think the next Kirby Smart or the next Nick Saban is Kirby Smart, and he's right in front of us. Click on that like button, the thumbs up button helps us bring more people in. And so Travis and, and some people like to give Caleb a hard time about the, the LSU thing. Listen, Caleb's exactly right, because the kids don't want to leave the state of Louisiana if LSU offers. That cannot be said for really any other school. We just talked about Florida. No, they may they may have grown up Miami fans or Florida State fans. You could go on and on and on. Maybe the other comparison might be Ohio State, but Penn State Michigan goes in there a lot. Yeah, Michigan gets kids from Ohio. There is not another state in 10-plus years of covering recruiting that I've seen that is as one-sided from a talent standpoint – and a standpoint of dedication, we want to be at the home school. I've, there's not another state out there, even Alabama, that produces that much talent that feels loyal to the in-state school. I mean, that's yeah. There's, I think there's a deeper culture in Louisiana that 
that doesn't exist in almost any other state where I think most kids in Louisiana, their parents are from there, their grandparents are from there, their great grandparents are from there. This is the point with everyone talks about USC and the talent in USC, but most elite talent in USC, their whole family isn't entrenched in California. It's from somewhere else. So they don't feel as, as loyal to staying at USC. Now, don't get me wrong, Lincoln Riley there, if there's a non-SEC coach that could be the next Nick Saban, Lincoln Riley at USC is your guy to look at because that's a that's a dangerous combination. But you've talked about this. Deion Sanders at Colorado, he could probably go into Southern California and get some kids out of there pretty easily. And I'll tell you the one that when you ask this question, who's the next Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, one name that might come out of left field to you that popped up is uh, Steve Sarkeesian. And now let's assume that he has the drinking problem under control, which, you know, he showed up to uh, Sunday morning workouts hammered. It's tough to do. Um, He has just a really highly respected offensive mind. And I think it's the type of approach that he can be multiple. I think to some extent, Tennessee has to do what they can do, but I wouldn't rule out Sarkeesian as far as now, is he going to be Saban smart? Probably not, but could he win a championship or two at Texas? Yes, I think he could. Yeah. See, I think that Texas. Okay. Here's a hot take. Texas is a top 10 job, top 12, right, right around there. I don't think it's a job where you're capable of producing a Alabama Nick Saban level dynasty, unless you go there with instant credibility, the way Nick Saban came to Alabama with the national championship already under his resume. And I say that about Texas because there's a lot of competition for Texas kids. Yes. I mean, so much. You got Texas A&M, TCU, Oklahoma can come in and really compete with Texas for Texas kids. And yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned TCU. I mean, with that offense, yeah, TCU could, will go head-to-head against Texas at some point in the very near future, maybe the next recruiting cycle, and win some battles head-to-head because of what they did in the college football playoff last year. Oh, they exactly. Will. I agree. And I mean, have, have you noticed that here's the real kicker. Texas hasn't had a top 10 finish in football. I don't believe someone can quote me on this. Maybe they had one with Tom Herman, but as far as I'm aware, they haven't had a top 10 finish in football ever since Baylor became a, ever since Baylor had its first top 25 finish under Art Bryles in 2010. As more, as more schools got successful in the state of Texas, it's, it's just not that – it's not as easy of a job as people think it is. And, I, by the way, I think that's why they joined the SEC. They needed something else beyond just being Texas to get a recruiting edge. Be sure and click that like button, thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed yet, we've got a milestone, a couple of thousand subscribers that we're hoping to get to. So make sure you've subscribed or tell friends to subscribe as well, and you hit that thumbs up button, and we'll bring more people into the conversation. And look at me, no contacts, no glasses. Thanks to Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han right there in Knoxville. They're local, local, local doctors who can take care of LASIK. Uh, you're near or far side of this. They can take care of your cataract surgery and also just the annual checkups that you have on your eyes. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a production of Off the Hook Sports.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.